listen, same vision is for equal rights and justice for the people, them. What's happening to this beautiful world that we're living in? World citizen, lift up your voice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the People Powered Planet podcast, where each week we have exciting solutionaries working on how do we solve the problems beleaguering this little planet of ours. Uh, there are so many programs and documentaries about all the deep depth of problems in the world. Uh, we focus on the solutionaries and how we can inspire a better world for all of us and, and a survivable and better world. And now we are having a very special event because we have been holding Ban the Bomb Movie Month this August on the anniversary of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. And we have been having some incredible key people. We've had, uh, we've had Jeff Daniels, who made an exciting movie called Television Event about the phenomenal film the day after and how with 100 million Americans and 200 million Soviets watch it, watching it, it shook up society, turned things around, convinced the president uh, to move from actually believing as generals that he could fight and win a nuclear war and who were actually egging him on. We actually saw one of those generals in our film, War Without Winners. And, uh, and he decided he had to start reducing weapons with the Soviet Union. And now we also had Nicholas Meyer, uh, the producer, the director of The Day After and of several of the Star Trek movies. Uh, uh, and we talked about both cautionary movies that warn us about the dangers ahead and visionary movies that inspire us to the future we want to move toward. And for the grand finale of this special week, this special Ban the Bomb movie week, we have Susie Snyder. Now, after we watch these other programs about uh, uh, that historic film and about uh, how we turn things around, the question comes down to what do we as individuals do? How can we take action? And that's where Susie is really one of the one of the queens of action on all this because she has been involved from the beginning with ICANN, the organization which won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2017 for organizing an incredible coalition of, 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 of tremendous numbers of people and countries that actually succeeded in passing the nuclear ban, the nuclear ban that, uh, that had to have 50 countries ratified to become international law. Well, 66 have already ratified it, so it is international law, and 89 have signed it. So this is an incredible step forward that was launched by ICANN. And Susie was working with ICANN 10 years before that uh, and struggling for years on it, and also is the key coordinator of the, one of the most effective things that we as individuals can do, and that is don't bank on the bomb. And we'll getting, be getting to more of that later in the program. But for starters, uh, let me just ask Susie briefly, I understand that you first got introduced into this whole nuclear issue with a big win. Uh, what was that win? <laughs> so way back when, and first, I just want to say thank you so much, Arthur, uh, for inviting me onto the show. It's great to be here. Um, and I got, I've been working on this issue and looking at ways to challenge and reshape um, our world and take the, the nuclear industry maybe maybe take them down a notch uh, for the last couple and a half decades. And it got started with a project in Southern California where they wanted to build a nuclear waste dump at a little place called Ward Valley. And 25 years ago, 
um, and it was 25 years ago now, um, a group, five indigenous tribes came together along with support from activists all over the country and said, no. And we occupied the valley for 183 days. And at the end of that occupation, the companies involved in, in putting the dump there, the US Department of Energy, the US Department of Defense, all of them said, oh, this isn't worth it. This is too much of a hassle. And they quit the project. And so for, for the last 25 years, we get together and we celebrate that win. And I thought, well, you know, nuclear waste is something that's around for oh, 8,000 generations or so. And if we can stop the contamination with this one project, if I can help do that, I could do anything. And so I've been working on issues around nuclear weapons and, and other nuclear issues since that time um, with a, a few, you know, a few other projects in the midst uh, and really excited to, to continue because we do have wins and we have to keep celebrating the wins that we have. It gives us courage and confidence to keep going. So thanks wow. for asking me. Well, so back in 2007, when you first were working with ICANN, did you ever think uh, that you would actually succeed in getting a treaty that was law around the world, that you would get a Nobel Peace Prize? Well, we had a little joke <laughs> that one of, the, one of the ICANN leaders there, we used to joke and we would say, one day we'll win a Nobel Peace Prize, but it was a joke. It was like late at night, we'd be like, yeah, let's, yeah, one day we'll do this. And we never believed it was true. Instead, what we did was follow the, follow the courage of our convictions. Um, and we knew that we had to change how we talk about nuclear weapons. We had to stop talking about it by, in the language of those who have and want to keep the weapons around forever. So stop talking about it in the terms of geostrategic security, um, but instead talk about it in terms of what the weapons do. And for me, that's what got me interested in this issue in the first place is finding out what do these weapons do? When I first heard and saw and met people who were directly impacted, whether they were impacted because they were forced off their land for nuclear testing or they lived through the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, or their communities were contaminated to build the parts and get the parts for nuclear weapons. Finding out and talking about what the weapons do, it gives you a whole different perspective. And that's just, that's just not, it's just not worth it to, to when you look at it that way. And other governments started to started to agree. But back in 2007, when we launched ICANN, we just thought, oh, well, let's uh Let's do a new global coalition that, you know, that energizes people somehow. Let's get young people involved. Let's, let's see what we can do to shake up the world and put an end to this existential threat. Wow. So with that beginning and with that kind of little joke, uh, what happened uh, and what was your experience when that joke uh, came to fruition in 2017? Well, I didn't believe it at first <laughs> and I saw it and I was in a meeting with somebody from the, I live in the Netherlands. I was in a meeting with somebody from the Dutch government and I was meeting with a couple of think tanks and we're trying, I was trying to convince them that it was really important to get on board with this humanitarian initiative to, to talk about nuclear weapons in the context of their impact um, to get rid of the US nuclear weapons stored an hour from my house. Um, and 
I, I saw on my phone that I can had been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize and I stood up in the meeting and I honest to gosh, I threw my phone across the room and I said, somebody needs to check this. I think we just won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> and uh, and we did. <laughs> so but it was it was amazing. I was I was overwhelmed and then and then I was so I was so overwhelmed my phone was just going off the hook um and calling calls with press and you know people all over the world saying this is is this look at what look at what you've done and oh my goodness what what did you do <laughs> trying to trying to understand it and people who um especially people in my life who kind of look at me like oh yeah Susie she's you know she's got passion and she's you know she's enthusiastic all the time and um and but you know she's she may not maybe what she's doing is is not what everybody's doing uh, looked at me differently and started to say oh wait so this is serious and i was like yeah we negotiated an international treaty this is very serious this is deadly serious and i said oh but but now it's now it's really real and all of a sudden it became real to a lot more people and for us with an ICANN, it was it was this moment of oh my gosh, we're recognized for the work that we've done, but it's not it's not a gold watch, it's not a retirement. This is this is a challenge. Now we have to go further. Like oh no, like they're they're we we thought we were doing great, but oh we have to be bigger and better. We have to be more impactful. We have to get more people involved. We. This is this is our challenge to put an end to nuclear weapons. Wow. We have a tool to do it, and it added to our toolkit. It's very it was wow. very exciting. <laughs> well, we'll get more into that tool and how you're using that toolkit. But first, uh, I'd like I'd like you to share with the viewers the feeling and the experience you had uh, at the actual award ceremony. Oh my gosh, it was a it was overwhelming uh, to to be there and and uh, you know when you've when you've worked on something for a really long time and all of a sudden you're in a room where people are recognizing that work and looking at you like a celebrity <laughs> it was it felt it felt a little awkward <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll be honest I was in tears through most of the most of the Nobel ceremony. Uh, because I just, I was so, I, I was thinking about all of the people along the way who, who some, a lot of whom have, aren't here anymore. A lot of whom have helped me become the person I am, but also with whom I've shared this journey, this, this effort to, to change the world. And we were, we were 500 people in the Oslo city hall for the ceremony but there's five, 500,000 behind us. And we're, you know, we're not alone in all of those people everywhere who, who had something to do with making this change. Every single person in that room has this massive community behind them. And that's, that's, that it, it, was, it was so moving and it was so, Incredible to hear um, Beatrice Finn, who is the director of ICANN, speak about um, you know being you know having the courage to keep going, even when the most heavily armed governments in the world 
are throwing everything at you to stop you and to keep going. And Satsuko Thurlow, who was 13 years old at the time of the atomic bombing and sharing her story and how she too knows and has known since that moment in 1945, what does she need to do? She needs to keep pushing, to keep reaching, to keep going. And it was, it was amazing. And I'll be honest with you, John Legend played, uh, played at that ceremony and he played Redemption Song, which is a, a really powerful moving and moving song. And I, I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. I think I looked over and the Queen of Norway was wiping her eyes as well because it's, it was so beautiful. And this culmination of so much energy and so much effort and I looked and I'll tell you, I, I mean, I looked around and, you know, there were diplomats, there were people from the Red Cross, there were campaigners, students, people who had gotten the call somewhere, somehow, that let, let's do this, let's work together and let's make this change. And, and we, we have, we've made a, a big change. And so it was, it was quite a, quite an incredible and overwhelming experience. And even now I'm thinking about it and I'm getting choked up again because, you know, it's just, it's, it was a moment that I'll never forget. Um, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful to have had that, that opportunity and that experience. So what an incredible experience to get the Nobel Prize. But then how did you feel when you actually had the 50 signatories and the treaty you had proposed became international law? Well, let me tell you, getting a country to sign and, inter and ratify an international treaty is hard. It's not, it's not like signing a petition. It's, it's becomes part of their national law. And so to get a country to ratify an international treaty means talk, means the parliament there, you know, has to debate it. It means the head of state has to agree. So the head of state has to either go to New York and physically sign the treaty themselves or, or send special paperwork to enable somebody else. Like it's a process, it's, it's, it's serious. And it, we can, with everything, there's this moment of like, okay, will they, won't they? And we've had several times in the, in the course of the campaign where the instrument, Right. So when you ratify a treaty, the, the parliament, you know, makes it national laws. It's different in every country. And the, the countries, they then they they create this, what's called this instrument of ratification that has to be physically brought to New York. And so the instrument, where is the instrument? Is it in New York? Who has it? Is it in a suitcase? Like, did it get lost in the luggage? Like, you know, it's all of these different things. And it's, you know, it's just an authorization form in some ways, but it's, it's a significant thing. And the treaty itself is a book. And it's a book that lives in, in, UN, in the Office of Legal Affairs. We visited it once. And it was like visiting a holy relic to, to go and visit our, 
to visit the official copy of our treaty and to get to, you know, we couldn't touch it. We weren't allowed, you know, to, to touch it. So the special gloves that you have to use, like acid-free gloves to turn the pages, to see the signatures of the different heads of state on our on our treaty. And it's, it's, it's really, really a potent thing. So with the 50th ratification, we were, we were waiting like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? Like, who, who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be this one? And we were trying, we're like, we wanted a big group to go in it all together, but you know, we also have to actually get them to do it. So it was so much back and forth and it took, it took a couple of years, but at the same time, um, it moved pretty quick. Like other international treaties take a long time and other international treaties to enter into force to become binding international law. Like the barrier is not always this high. 50 ratifications is quite high for an international treaty to go into force. Um, so when we got that, that 50th ratification, uh, it, was, it happened kind of late New York time, uh, but it didn't matter because we just all jumped on a call together, like, like a Zoom call and said, oh my gosh, here we go. Now we have 90 days to plan the biggest party ever the day for when it enters into force because it was the deposit of the 50th instrument and then 90 days later that it actually becomes binding on all those countries that signed it and that excuse me that ratified it so we, we just got everybody who was able to get together and say all right what are we going to do let's plan stuff <laughs> and, um, and it was also a global pandemic so it's not like we could physically all hang out and meet and have a big party together. Like this is, it's a little different to organize in the time of a, of a pandemic and where you can't necessarily have so many meetings, you can't hold events. Um, it's harder to reach people. Yeah, But somehow definitely. we managed to do it, yeah. And, and so it's super exciting. There's been a, a lot of Zoom. <laughs> well, you know, really, it's, really it's, it's, it's so it's so exciting and heartwarming to have you give us this uh, insider experience of, of what you've gone through and just made it so vivid. Um, now, one of the key things that we want to get into is uh, what does this treaty say about aiding or abetting or what is it that it actually requires of, of us around the world? What's really cool is that this treaty, like there's been other agreements around nuclear weapons, like, oh, we won't spread around the technology without having certain safeguards on it. Um, or will, you know, there's been bilateral agreements between the US and Russia to say, we'll, we'll check each other's numbers, we'll reduce the numbers. Um, you know, we won't do certain types of delivery systems. Um, and the, so there's been a, a few other treaties, but this is the, first time ever that nuclear weapons are comprehensively prohibited. And that means any country that joins it can't make them. And that's, you know, it's manufactured, develop, can't do that. It can't possess them, can't stockpile them. And it can't use them. It can't deploy them. It can't threaten to use them. And it absolutely can't use them. And if they do use them, every other treaty member is responsible for coming together and helping those who are harmed. So it's a huge non-proliferation tool as well. 
because if I sign up on this treaty, I'm going to do everything in my power to prevent nuclear weapons from being used. So I don't get caught with the bill for cleanup later. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to clean up and uh, where does, a nuclear weapon has been used. And what does it say but about aiding and abetting? Yeah. So this, uh, this, it's also within the treaty, not only are these activities making having using nuclear weapons prohibited, but any form of assistance with those activities is also prohibited. And so that means in some jurisdictions, depending on how a country is organized, um, a lot of places it's criminal. And if you help somebody make nuclear weapons in that country, you can be prosecuted and go to jail or be prosecuted and have to pay, you know, whatever the criminal justice system is like in that country. Um, if you are within the, the private sector and you're helping to make nuclear weapons, for example, if you're financing the companies that are building key components for nuclear weapons, or you are on the board of the companies that are building key components for nuclear weapons, and you are also contributing to the production, the manufacture, the development of these weapons, and that is prohibited under the treaty. And that gives us a great tool to talk to people about and to say, you know, this is big. And this is where the, the idea of this norm that nuclear weapons are unacceptable meets the law of nuclear weapons being unacceptable. And it comes together in a way that is, I believe, truly powerful and opens the door for stakeholders um, that are not traditional stakeholders, usually treaties or governments, and you know maybe whatever the regulating, whatever they're looking to regulate. But this opens the door for anyone to get involved and to take steps to help build the norm and implement the treaty and commit to abide by the treaty. Wow, abide by the treaty and commit to the norm. You know, uh, you're saying that in every jurisdiction, it's, this is international law right now. It's international law all over the world, but we don't have a system of courts at the global level to enforce it. So since it's most inside, since most of the enforcement is inside countries, and the seven, the, the the nine actual nuclear countries haven't ratified it. They're not enforcing it, but it's still binding on all of us as citizens of the world. And that's the key idea of our people-powered planet and of our film, "The World Is My Country," that uh, that Gary Davis starred in. And that is that as citizens, we are not uh, just citizens of our nation. We are citizens of the world, and as citizens of the world. It's our responsibility to enforce international law. We can't we can't just sit around waiting for the governments to do it because the governments that have these weapons are too bought off by, uh, you know, the, uh, the military industrial complex by the fact that this very small number of manufacturers involved uh, lobby the right congressmen and people and. And, and we haven't made it, as you put it in your, your thing, we haven't made it uh, uh, not worthwhile for them <laughs> to do it. And so that kind of moves to the second hat you wear, which is uh, being a part of Don't Bank on the Bomb. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, first of all, uh, I understand you were a key person in, in, in getting that started, uh, have been a coordinator or the key researcher. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your experience with 
don't bank on the bomb, which is the handle that, that, that lets us, the citizens of this world, enforce this treaty. Abide by, abide by. We're, 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 we're doing stuff that's against the law. If we aid, abet, or in any way assist the development of nuclear weapons, we are under international law. We are law violators. How can we, how can we uh, abide by, how can we, how can we as citizens help in, in, enforce this treaty? So this is, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you asked, Arthur. I mean, Don't Bank on the Bomb is a project that we started because um, not every country is ready to join the Ban Treaty. And, and we started even before the Ban Treaty was in place. Here's the thing, like, it's really important to think, okay, nuclear weapons are awful. And they're the worst weapon that's ever been created. They, they create a million degree fireball and they vaporize a city. That's what they're designed to do. But it's one thing to know that. It's another thing to do something about it. And we wanted to build a pathway for people everywhere to do something about nuclear weapons. And there's the, the path of, of course, you know, get in touch with, with elected officials and you know, get cities on board to make resolutions and declarations, create nuclear weapon free zones within communities, all of these things help. But there's also getting rid of the incentive to keep these weapons around. And so what Don't Bank on the Bomb does is it names the companies that are hired by governments, by the nuclear armed governments to produce the key components that are specially designed for nuclear weapons. Companies like Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Airbus, Raytheon, all of these companies are hired to produce key components for nuclear weapons and they're specially designed components. So it's not like, it doesn't list you know, companies that are always saying, you know, just making sheet metal, right? Because sheet metal gets used for all sorts of things, including missiles. But these are companies that, that have specific and special contracts to contribute to the nuclear weapon industry and are part of that industry. But the other thing Don't Bank on the Bomb does is it identifies who's financing those companies. Because to get those contracts, to bid on those government contracts, some of which are quite lucrative, you have to put in years of research and development. Somebody needs to, to pay people. You need to take out loans, you need to finance bonds. And of course, you know, they all, almost all of these companies are publicly traded, so they have shareholders they wanna make a profit for. And that's where we come in because we can talk to the banks who are financing them. We can talk to the investors, the pension funds, the asset managers, our local church, community center, the foundations that fund us, all of these people and say, hey, we don't want our money to be used in any way to support nuclear weapons. And it's something we can do. And I've, had personal had personally had the experience of I would walk into banks, you know, especially pre-pandemic when I was traveling a lot, I'd go into banks and ask them, do you have a policy that 
make sure my money, if I open an account with you, will never be used for the production of nuclear weapons. Now, if you ask a bank teller this question, they will look at you like you're kind of crazy. Maybe you grew an extra head out of your shoulder. Um, but at the same time, they'll you, you have a right to ask. You know, the customer does have a have a role here, and the potential customer especially. And so it's something that can start a conversation and get more people on board with this issue. Um, I've asked at a lot of banks and most banks, the, the teller has no idea what I'm talking about, does look at me like I have extra heads, uh, but all of them offer to come back and find out for me. And then we have a conversation. Some of those conversations have run up the line and that's how we've made some changes. We've successfully moved money out of the nuclear weapon industry. We've seen We've seen major global pension funds, in particular, actively divest from companies like Boeing and say that they will never make their money available to Boeing as long as Boeing has these contracts related to nuclear weapons. They say it publicly. Now, this idea, of course, didn't come out of nowhere. Um, we learned through, through, from other campaigns, particularly the campaign to stop the production of cluster munitions, that we can change company behavior by gathering financial actors and putting pressure using them and as clients to encourage them to do so. Um, Lockheed Martin, which is the world's biggest arms manufacturer, uh, you know, several years running now, I think they wanna get an award, um, but Lockheed Martin has stopped making cluster bombs because they were cut off from investors. We can change Lockheed Martin. We can change Boeing. I mean, they're, right now, their annual turnover from nuclear weapons is less than 3%. It's not in their interest to be red flagged like this and to be excluded. And that's one of the things that we, we work really hard to, to do. Um, and because people have their own investments, a lot of people don't do that themselves. They use mutual funds or um, have investment advisors. It's a question. And again, change is only made when we have conversations. Right? Nothing, nothing happens without talking to other people. And we want to make sure that people who ordinarily don't think or talk about this issue have space to do so and get, get on board and learn a little bit more and then make some changes. And we've been pretty successful with this, with this campaign so far. Mm -hmm. Well, I love what you said about uh, uh, about changing the conversation, and of course, that's one of our central functions here at the People Powered Planet podcast. And that is that uh, very often we've thought, uh, okay, treaties and all that—that's all for governments to enforce. And you know, of course, in the language of the treaty, it says it's binding upon the the, the, the members who are are, are uh, ratified it, uh, and it doesn't say it's binding on the nuclear uh, nations, but. Uh, the conversation that we are creating and starting is that we as citizens of the planet, we have responsibility to enforce international law, that something is the law that uh, it, we don't sit around and wait for governments to give us permission. You know, 
uh, Gary's whole idea about creating uh, uh, citizen-based governance, you, it, the Declaration of Independence wasn't called the application for independence. They didn't go to Britain and say, oh, please, could we have an independent country here? It was a declaration. We, the people, declare it and do it. And I think part of what we need to move toward is declaring and doing that we are actually the people who have the responsibility and the capability and the only ones who can begin to enforce international and grow, moving toward world law uh, at the global level. Uh, so let me ask you, is it more powerful when you are contacting uh, you know, a bank official to not say, I don't want my, weapon, my, my money going into these weapons, or to say, it is illegal, it is against international law to be aiding, abetting, and in any way helping these weapons. Uh, I don't want, you know, it, it is, it, it, are our funds going for this illegal activity? How does that impact and, and, and empower uh, the work you're doing? Well, it's had a big, it has had a big impact. Now there's um there's of course the the Vienna the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties right um, which says that a treaty is not binding on a country that has not signed or ratified it um, but that's that's so that's we have to be careful when we talk about this because we do we do talk about um, the risks that banks will face um, especially if they're operating internationally. And this is where we have we have some good some good work. Like this is sixty six countries that ha that are on board the treaty. So, for example, a bank like Satander, um, which has which has uh, subsidiaries in the U.S., it has subsidiaries operating in Chile, uh, in Brazil, all throughout Latin America. Most of Latin America has signed and ratified this treaty. Is on board this treaty. So, a bank like Satander their operations in those countries have to be in line with this treaty. Their operations in the US, you know, because the US isn't on board, that's what we're doing. We're, we're pushing to say, to, you, to say that this is, we're creating a normative um, look at this treaty saying that this is what um, should be international law for everyone, should be the norm. Um, and, that's that's what we're building for. So I I want to you know be a bit careful uh, when we talk about it and how we talk about it, just because there is a risk. There's a regulatory risk for these financial institutions should the country that they're operating in decide to join the treaty. Um, there's an absolute risk there. Should a, a country where they have a subsidiary um, or a joint venture or another project be in where they where they've ratified the treaty there's there's a problem there um and that risk is something that they have to consider and they have to not just consider it for themselves they have to report out on all of the risks that they're facing and so there is a regulatory risk for for financial institutions that are supporting um the companies that are involved in the production of nuclear weapons and one bank in particular is a bank that's operating in in the south uh, say the, the kind of northeastern US, the PNC Bank. Um, and it's, Pitts, it's initially in Pittsburgh. Um, and shareholders at PNC Bank have been bringing resolutions to that, to shareholder meetings of the bank saying, we're really concerned because this treaty means that this tiny, it's 0.3% of PNC's overall investments 
is that is in the companies that are that are making these weapons that are doing this illegal this activity that is prohibited under international law. And so that's a that's a risk. And it means that this is now a risky company for us to do business with. This bank is risky for us. So it's really good to talk about the context of risk um, and in the context of, of what is prohibited under international law. Um, and I think that it's, it's, a very, it's, a, it's a very nuanced, uh, slight difference, but I, I wanna make sure to be very careful um, because I've had a lot of calls from financial institution lawyers over the last few years <laughs> who were who are nervous about this risk. What does it mean for them if they have operations in countries that have, are on board the treaty? How does this come back? And, and who really wanna be, wanna make sure that they're, they're operating in a way that they're reducing their risk. Financial institutions are not risky. They, they are risk avoidant. And that's where we have a good hook because nuclear weapons, the existence of nuclear weapons is a global catastrophic risk, right? We're talking existential threat, accident, miscommunication, the horrible weapon. But it's also, it's a risk to the bottom line when you're doing business with the nuclear weapon industry. And that's where we gotta keep coming back at them and saying, yeah, there's this international law that exists Anything we do that even makes it look like we're violating that law is going to look bad on us. It's a reputational risk and it's a potential regulatory risk. And I think it's great to keep coming back to that over and over again. I say it all the time. Nuclear weapons are risky business. They're bad business and they're unnecessary. They don't do anything for anyone. Wow, that is that is fabulous. And I love that you've got that hook that you you know, that, that this is their bottom line, that they have to uh, notify people that they're doing a risk in any of these other countries. On your website, where we go to, tell us a little more about your website, where we go to identify who are, whether our bank is involved in nuclear weapons and how, and do you on that website flag, which one is, which ones of these countries, which one of these companies uh, actually do have uh, any operations in areas where where it is illegal and where this is actually of current legal risk to these companies? Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, our research team is not huge. So we don't list, we have 200 or 300 or so um, financial institutions that are involved in financing the nuclear weapon industry. And we're not able to list the area of operation for all of those um, simply because it's it's not a huge research team. <laughs> but what we do have is on the website, you can go to don'tbankonthebomb.com. Super simple. And you can look at things like the nuclear weapon producers. Who are the companies that build nuclear weapons? Where are they? There are campaigns popping up all over the world doing events, um, especially in the, in the coming month, targeting those companies. Um, there's been strikes at a lot of these companies over the last year because they have the employees themselves have not been treated very well by the management. The companies are, are not doing so great. Um, so you can identify them by looking under nuclear weapon producers. And then if you look at the section, who invests, you can see a list, you can sort the list by location 
if you're in Canada, you can see who are the Canadian institutions that that invest, you know. Um, if you're in the US, you can see most of the investors are in the US, you can see who they are. Uh, we're very lucky to have partnered with an organization called As You Sow over the last years. And as you, if you're an investor yourself, you, you know, if you have maybe funds, maybe money in a mutual fund or a retirement account, um, As You Sow has done that extra level of research to identify um, where that those investments lie, um, which is a different level than, than looking at the, the banks or the pension funds directly. Um, and you can also see if financial institutions operating near you maybe have a policy that say no to these types of investments. Uh, we have seen since the ban treaty went into effect, since the, this exciting entry into force, we've almost doubled the number of financial institutions in the world that have made explicit policies to say no to any sort of investment in nuclear weapon producers. And I'll tell you, they don't do that out of the kindness of their heart. They do it out of a cold calculating assessment of what is in their best interest. And they hear from clients and they hear nasty things about nuclear weapons in the press and they say okay this is this is bad they hear positive things about the ban treaty and say oh let's avoid future risk and take the step now we have 101 institutions that have said no uh and that's wow. that's pretty huge wow and we can find that 101 on your website and switch our money to them if we want to right absolutely <laughs> well, pretty soon we're going to turn open, open to questions, and we're also going to start that question period by tossing out uh, an idea that uh, uh, Melanie and I are proposing about a way that we can move beyond the petition to actually a declaration that we are complying with international law as individuals, and she'll show you that in a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I want to ask you one more question, and that is, uh, which are the companies producing nuclear weapons uh, which not only uh, we can we can withdraw our funds by withdrawing our investment, but which have consumer products that we don't want to buy because by buying them, we're aiding and abetting this illegal activity. Well, the biggest company, the household name, they probably made your, your thermostat is Honeywell. Um, and I'll tell you, those consumer boycotts are extremely powerful. In 1979, General Electric, uh, was producing key components for nuclear weapons. And the, they were doing that for the US as well as for the UK systems. But people said, no, they said, when I turn on my light bulb, I don't want it to be from a company that makes nuclear bombs. So there's a, there was a massive boycott of General Electric and General Electric turned around and said, nope, not worth it. And they stopped. And that was huge that moment, because not only did it remind us as individuals that we have power, so we do, we have power as consumers, we have power as citizens, we have power as people, but it also got this company that was heavily involved in the arms industry to change course. So right now, you're not going to find cars made by Rostec 
Rostec makes nuclear missiles for, for Russia. What you are going to find are, are consumer products, thermostats, humidifiers from Honeywell. And you can find an alternative because they're out there. Um, and you can also let Honeywell know. I don't want to support, I don't want to buy from a company that helps pave the way for nuclear weapons. I don't want to buy from a company that's involved in an industry that could end life as we know it. Because I think that's a really important piece as well. It's what we do, but also how we talk about it and what we tell others. None of us are in this alone. Wow, well, that is so powerful, Susie, and thank you so much. Uh, I want now to turn it over to Melanie to, first of all, uh, share with you the the declaration of compliance with the uh, with the uh, treaty, and then also to turn open to questions by all of you. Uh, Susie, you are incredible. The work you're doing is some of the most important work on the planet. Uh, you you found a very powerful way to actually uh, uh, move from 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 protest to power. And I really salute you for that and the work of your organizations. Uh, and with that, here is our producer, Melanie Bennett. Thank you, Arthur. And Susie, yes, Arthur, the word, yes, I agree. Power, power. If you do not feel powerful from listening to what Susie had to say today, I'd be very shocked. So Susie, thank you so much for that. Um, we are doing it. Let's just put it that way. We are stopping nuclear weapons. We are eradicating them from this earth and jump on board and help. Let's get it done sooner, sooner, better, better, sooner than later. Let's just do it. Take the time. It's not that hard. Um, if you're not, uh, if you don't feel viscerally the importance, watch the day after, watch television events, get into the mood you got to jump on board because it's happening and you'll want to be able to say to your grandchildren or your nieces or nephews or whoever hey hey i helped i helped i was one of those people that got rid of my the money i actually i didn't know i was giving money to nuclear weapons i didn't know my bank did that Ooh, so i switched i changed i i helped out so you want to do that and what we have what like arthur said we have something very special that uh, we, the world citizens, can do to uh, endorse and, and actually enforce this TPNW treaty, the treaty. Let's go to it right now. I'm going to share my screen and just show you really quick. You just go to our, our uh, website, theworldsmycountry.com slash endorse. See that up there? This is it. Let's all do this. Let's all do this today. You could do it right this second, but you wanna make sure you read all the things you're signing. It's very simple. It's just the fact that I'm honoring the ban, the TPNW. I will stop funding nukes. So maybe you have a Honeywell product. You're, not, you're gonna boycott Honeywell. You are going to go to don't bank on the bomb. You're going to look and see what your, your uh, bank is doing. You're going to, um, talk with them. You're going to perhaps maybe move banks. You're going to, you're maybe going to um, find out on, on your funds. There's weapon-free funds. It's really fun to do. Actually, you take your fund, whatever fund you have, you put it into the search bar and it will give you a grade on your funds, A, B, C, D, E, R, F, or sorry, no E, F. And if you get an F, just like in school, that's no fun. So go ahead and uh, go to this, uh, world citizen endorsement of the TPNW right here, 
slash endorse, sign it today. This is, we've just opened it up for signatures. You could be the first ones. The key thing is to sign it, then do it. You do it right after you sign it. Take the time, take the time and do it. This is incredible. Okay, so I'll stop sharing. And now we're gonna to go to questions. <sighs> so for our first question or comment, we'd like to go to Vasanti. Vasanti, go ahead and unmute and ask your question. Oh, thank you. It's been very rewarding for me uh, to learn so many things. I have just two questions. One is because of the period involved, can a country go back on a signature that they have put down in the treaty? Is it reversible? My second question is because countries are warring amongst themselves, do the countries demand that uh, if there is another signatory of a country they do not like, they will withdraw or something like that? Is it conditional? Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Vicente, for your questions. Um, you cannot take your signature off once you've signed. You can, however, if you have ratified it, um, you can withdraw the ratification. You can, there's an article in the treaty, and every treaty has this, um, that lets you leave. But you have to justify why you're going to leave. And it can trigger with the, with the ban treaty, the nuclear ban treaty, if a country that is on board decides that it wants to withdraw, to leave the treaty, it will trigger a meeting of states parties. So that means all the states parties come together and what they're gonna do is they're gonna work really hard to keep you on board. Um, and there is there were a couple of countries during the negotiations that said, let's figure out how to make it conditional, signatures, ratifications, you know, let's, let's make entry into force conditional on there never being another nuclear weapon in the world. And overwhelmingly, the government said, no, either you're, forgive my quote here, but either you're with us and you're against nuclear weapons or you're against us and you're with nuclear weapons. Pick and really put countries on the, like on the line, make a decision. And that's something else this treaty gives us. It gives us clarity. Yeah. Is a country on board or not? And if not, why not? And it forces them, and this is what we see all over the world with this campaign. It forces them to answer questions in parliaments, from, from citizens in the press. Why are you not supporting the end of nuclear weapons? And so that's, that's really helpful, but it's a great question. And um, and it's very, it is a very difficult thing because countries do engage in conflict and are at war with one another. And, you know, that's, that's something that everybody's concerned about, um, but nobody wants it to escalate to a nuclear war. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love that. So it's like people get together, hey, why are you leaving? Okay, that's great. Um, now we wanna to go to Jean. Jean, go right ahead with your question. Hi, thank you so much, everyone. And Susie, you are such an inspiration. Uh, my question is, uh, how can we magnify the fact right now that Gorbachev has passed away and he's in the news? And I didn't realize that he won the Nobel Peace Prize in the late 80s. 
And uh, so many of the youth who were born after 1985, they're on board for climate, but they're not on board for the nuclear uh, existential threat that we're facing today. And if you could comment on that and how we could get the Russians to love him as well, since so many had uh, lost uh, favor for him. And, and then also how many countries have not signed the treaty? Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Jim. It's, it was kind of a blow to hear about Gorbachev's passing. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, because in 1987, at, or excuse me, 1986 at Reykjavik, Gorbachev and Reagan met and said, let's end nuclear weapons forever. We can do this. And unfortunately, it didn't happen because some people said, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not the best idea. There were a few lobbyists that got involved there, I think, um, that said no. Uh, but Gorbachev's, this momentum and this, this occasion of, of his passing is a time to, I think we can use this in a couple of ways. We can talk about a couple of ways. One is we can talk about the fact that he did um, help set the stage for the, I'd say the elimination of half the nuclear weapons on the planet. The negotiations that took place in Gorbachev's Soviet Union and the United States at the time, that, that brought the numbers down and it got rid of half of the nuclear bombs in the world. And that is amazing. And we should comment, and there's, there's news articles around the world today about Gorbachev's passing. Very few of them will reference that. We can write letters to the editor where we see those articles and say, hey, let's remember this. Let's finish the job now. And on this issue of climate change, I have a very good friend who I met when he worked for Gorbachev's organization, um, which was focused on preventing the spread of chemical weapons and addressing environmental impacts of climate change. Gorbachev was also on board with this issue. And that's something that not a lot of people know about. It's very late in life. He spoke about it all over the world. I remember seeing him speak in New York and I called my mom immediately afterward and said, I just saw, uh, I just saw Gorbachev. It, it was, it was, you know, it was celebrity. It was amazing. Um, and, you know, and so I think we can make those connections there uh, as well. Unfortunately, Gorbachev is heavily vilified in Putin's Russia for um, because he's blamed for the the breakup of the union the soviet union um, when and it depends on how you look at it of course where you sit might be where you stand and a lot of people might say that was an opportunity for people to come and have governments that were representative of their history their culture and their community uh, instead of being underneath a monolithic society that wasn't um, wasn't their tradition, it depends on where you sit. And um, but I think we we do need to be attentive to that. And you know, people are very wary of speaking ill of the dead. <sighs> and maybe maybe that's something we can we can uh, you know keep our minds on as well. And and talk about this. I mean, this is a man who who again proposed to end nuclear weapons forever 
and whose negotiating efforts got rid of half of the weapons world and reduced the threat of of use like that that broke down the those threats and and it was Gorbachev that helped get rid of 7,000 American nuclear weapons in Europe and got rid of nuclear landmines and nu floating nuclear mines. Like there used to be mines in the ocean that were nuclear. Could you imagine? Like imagine a carnival cruise going off course and bopping into a nuclear explosion. Like this is this was a possibility in the 70s. Um, and it was because of the work of Gorbachev that that helped get rid of that. And that class of, of nuclear weapon no longer exists. So let's let's take this opportunity in this moment as people are talking about him to talk about that part and share that with others um, when and where we can. Wow, my gosh. Uh, thank you for, let's, yeah, celebrate. What a great man. What a great man. That's incredible. And um, as far as how many countries are left to get on board, there are 193 that are, are um, with the UN, but there's controversy about how many countries there really are. So just minus that, and uh, we'll just keep working, right? Absolutely. But so just to, to let you know, Jean, um, the, the treaty, the ban treaty had its first meeting of states parties. So countries that are on board got together and met in Vienna in June. And it was, it was amazing. Um, it was, I, I, I'm still overwhelmed. And the, it resulted in an outcome, an action plan and a declaration. And that declaration said, we are under no illusion about the difficulty of our task to rid the world of these weapons, but we will not rest until they are fully abolished from the world. And so those countries that were there, those, you know, those 66 countries um, have committed to not rest. They will bring others on board. They have appointed national coordinators to help get more countries in their region to join, to do outreach. Like there's, there's work happening here because nobody is safe as long as nuclear weapons continue to exist and they, they'll impact everyone. So everyone has a right and a responsibility to do something about it. A responsibility to do something about it. Um, now, Susie, do you have time? We have four more questions. Is that possible? How late can you stay? Two minutes? I can stay for, no, I have, I have negotiated with my six-year-old son that he can watch TV. <laughs> okay. For, oh. Yes. Um, and he also agreed. He was, he was very nice. And he said he would take a shower by himself and brush his teeth if I, you know, as long as I'm done oh. in about 15 minutes okay. um, and oh, come and tuck him in. Oh, he's helping too. He's helping this. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Well then quick, well, we'll go quickly to Andre. Andre, go right ahead. Oh, hello, Melanie and Glenn and Arthur and Susie. Thank you for all you're doing. It's fantastic. Uh, with Beatrice Finn, when she wrote in uh, the People in the Nation magazine that we need a feminine powered uh, political uh, way of doing things, I cried because that's what I believe. And uh, so even with all the great things that are happening uh, with COP26 failing, uh, with the NPT uh, conference failing, that the 
we need something different and because military spending and nuclear expansion is increasing even with all these great things. So I have a proposal for a people movement, a people powered planet, Arthur. And before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, the whole world said that no to war. What an opportunity. The people don't want war. And now's the perfect time for a global peace movement. And Secretary General Guterres uh, set the stage with a call for a global ceasefire. So I have a proposal and I wanna ask you what you think. I propose a plan to unite the climate and the peace movement into the largest people movement in the world. It's a plan, uh, uh, the plan is ready. It's a global movement of nonviolence to add to all the stopping of saying, stopping nuclear expansion and war, but a plan to create trust and respect among nations and people. Because without the trust and respect, not, nothing's gonna change. The nine nuclear countries are proving that. So my idea is based on Helen Caldicott's original idea with women leading the way. It's not about just about women, it's for everyone. And, and by the way, we met uh, originally in 2005, uh, Susie, at uh, Helen Caldicott's NPRI uh, symposium. I don't know if you remember. I was wondering, you looked familiar and I was trying to figure out why. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah. I want to tell you, Andre, there's, I have some good news for you. Um, the um, Pache Bene uh, has a global campaign for nonviolence. And on the 26th, the, and they call for a week of action um, to, on the global campaign of nonviolence, the week starting from the 21st of September, so the International Day of Peace, and actions across the world. Last year, there were some four or 5,000 actions that took place. This year, on the 26th of September, the focus is on divestment, and it's about identifying where and who is funding violence and taking away the financial incentives to do so. And so this is an opportunity not just to link our work on climate and nuclear weapons, but also our work for justice to end, to end for-profit prisons. It's, it's about building the community and building the world we want. Um, so the Global Campaign on Nonviolence um, is, has tons of resource materials available for this. There's already lots of actions that are registered on their, on their website. And I encourage you, take a look. And this is where we can connect. We can cross-pollinate our movements and be strong. Because we, there are so many people who are working to create the world we want we just sometimes walk past each other without realizing that we're doing that. And so let's get together and let's find ways. And so many things are opening up and we can be out and be with one another again. Um, so let's do that safely and effectively and connect. And I think it's, it's really important. Um, you know, the, the world that we want is, we're close to it. We just have to take the power from those who don't, want to give it up but i think we're doing that and and we're doing it together yes together that's it so ann ann you're next go right ahead well this is very exciting and um 
Susie has been very helpful. Uh, thank you, Susie, for helping us see how we can do individual divestment and uh, Rotary Action Group for Peace uh, is uh, planning some sessions with individuals. And if you would like to be part of that, we would be very happy to have you. Um, I will put my uh, email address in the chat. Um, Rotary Action Group for Peace was at the TPNW, first meeting of state parties. Two of us were there, and uh, nine Rotarians were at the uh, NPT review for a full month. It's really interesting. The, the whole sense of optimism was in the TPNW conference with an action plan of 50 items in three days, and the uh, Nuclear non-proliferation meeting ended in a failed consensus report, uh, but there were some openings there, some initiatives on um, uh, diversity and inclusion of women, um, all genders, uh, by the way, which uh, caused uh, some controversy. But anyway, I really encourage you to think about yourselves as civil society observers. Uh, you can go get accredited with your um, um, peace organization, um, and it's with, it can be really fun. Very, very cool. Um, and it's something it's, I, I think if you can travel to events, it's great. If you can't travel to events to support others from within your community to go to find, um, to get together, to do watch parties, um, and, and, you know, watch what's happening and then to make it local. My first involvement with the non-proliferation treaty, with the non-proliferation treaty conference, was holding a session at a coffee shop uh, in the community where I lived, just to talk about it and to say, "Hey, there's this international treaty that obliges the United States to get rid of nuclear weapons, but they're not. What can we do from here about this?" And you know. It was it was 15 people and we got together and we decided we were going to hold a parade. And so we found a marching band and we did a parade to draw attention to nuclear weapons issues. And it, it started something. Some of those people are still involved now. So, you know, think about think about different ways, because um, there's there's resource. There's a lack of equity and resources around the world as well. So we've got to think about how we can support things and support one another in doing this type of work and it, and doing stuff where you are uh, can also be really fun because that coffee shop gave me free cookies for the next six months. It was amazing. It was, it was totally worth it because um, oh. I like cookies, so. <laughs> wow, see, benefits, benefits. Okay, real quick, we'll go to Bonnie. Bonnie, if you could be quick. Thank you very much. I have two questions. Have you guys been working with the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization? Yes, yes. <laughs> to be short. And then the other one that I'm trying to understand, uh, you made a statement touching it uh, very briefly, having to do with other nuclear products. I'll use that word. That wasn't the right word, though. Um, the nuclear plants, like what's going on right now, between Russia and Ukraine um, and possibly doing something with that plant that causes a nuclear explosion within the immediate area, kind of a Chernobyl type situation. Um, 
how does your treaty involve that? And are you currently doing anything with communications with Putin um, because we have an actual situation going on? Um, so the, the nuclear ban treaty does not talk about nuclear energy or nuclear power plants um, because it's focused on nuclear weapons. Uh, however, there is right now there are a team of inspectors um, from the International Atomic Energy Agency who are at the Zaporizhia uh, nuclear power plant and meeting with the staff on the ground to look at ways and means to prevent um, any sort of Chernobyl type accident from happening. Um, and in order to facilitate that, negotiations had to take place to allow them to come in because they've been trying to go for months. But finally, they were allowed to go in this week. And so that is something that is taking place. Um, but the, the Nuclear Weapons Treaty focuses on the weapons themselves and not other areas of nuclear technology. So, yes. Thanks for the question. Yes, pinpointing that, and that's great. Great, that's a relief that uh, they're there now. That's great. Okay, Glenn, go right ahead. Thank you. Yeah, I've been working against nuclear weapons since the seventies, uh, and ordinary people feel like, oh, I'm so small and powerless, and the problems are so big and out of my control, and I'm not powerful enough to do anything. The remedy, of course, is grassroots organizing. We can change the culture. We all remember that movies from the 1930s, 40s, 50s uh, portrayed smoking as really cool and sexy. And now we know smoking is gross and disgusting. We change the culture and we need to change the culture about nuclear weapons and the, the culture about national security. We need to debunk the national security myth and promote true security, which is everybody on the planet needs to cooperate. And this is where Arthur and Melanie's work about world citizenship is important. And uh, uh, so we need to shift the culture, debunk the national security myth and the, debunk the, the assumption about deterrence being necessary, all that stuff, change the culture. And I put in the, in the chat link to my uh, workshops about gra organizing grassroots movements to empower people to do that kind of stuff on any issue that we care about. Thanks. Great, thanks so much. Thank you, Glenn. My goodness. And now I have to say we have Robin Lloyd with us. Robin, would you like to? Hi, Robin. It was uh, way back that uh, we knew each other in Women's International League for Peace and Freedom and where I still do work and work for negotiations, not war in, in the Ukraine. My question is, uh, I, I attended several uh, days at the um, Non-proliferation treaty review conference, and I was very. I, I, in fact, I wrote a piece saying it's a fraud that they're getting together. They don't really plan to solve anything. The nuclear nations are not going to move, and I was basically right. My question is, with that failing, does that in some way strengthen or give more energy to the TPNW? I hope. I mean. Let's get going here on really trying to control nuclear weapons. And that's that's the only way to do it now. Well, Robin, it's great to see you, number one. And it's it's always a pleasure. Um, and I've always been a, a great fan of your work and continue to be. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. What it showed this, this month of negotiations 
that resulted in nothing, a blocked outcome, and an outcome that even if it hadn't been blocked, was extremely weak um, on, on real issues around reducing the threat of nuclear weapons, around reducing the numbers of nuclear weapons, and it didn't, it didn't have a single time-bound action involved. Um, and that was a pity. And it's, it was heartbreaking. And I feel, I feel so bad for those who put so much energy because a lot of people and a lot, you know, people from, from governments, civil society came with good faith intentions to get a good outcome from that negotiation. And they were unable to. What it does show is that there is, it, there's still hope there's, there is a 50-point action plan that came out of the meeting of states parties for the, for the nuclear ban treaty, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Uh, states and countries that are not yet on board that ban treaty can also support and get involved in the activities, for example, around looking at environmental remediation um, or victim assistance to those who have been impacted by nuclear weapons use or testing. They can get, they can help by doing risk reduction measures by keeping lines of negotiations open. The, the failure of that conference is not the failure, it's not, it's not our failure. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Um, and there is another way, there's another treaty that exists that has a work plan, that has facilitators and a time-bound action plan, and that has a next meeting set up to check in on progress. Next November in 2023, they're going to come back again and meet and say, what have we done? What do we need to do next? There's a plan here. So governments that want can join onto that plan. Individuals who live in countries that aren't going to get on board that plan, we can do other things to help build up this norm. And that's where our work to continue to, to call out those who are complicit in keeping nuclear weapons around. You know, and that could be the companies involved, the banks that finance them, the think tanks that take money from the nuclear industry. We can talk about this and share that information, say we don't want to have anything to do with this. And we can find ways to organize, to empower one another, and to pledge our work to, to encourage, you know, to encourage others. Um, a lot of cities are coming on board and supporting the nuclear ban treaty. It's something that people can do. Parliamentarians have signed uh, around the world, there's thousands of them that have signed a pledge to work to support this treaty. Um, you can, like I said, you can get in touch with your bank um, or you can do other stuff. There's lots of ways to do this. Um, and what we have to do is continue to make nuclear weapons seen as what they are. Big, clumsy, dumb, bombs that are designed to vaporize a city in the flash of light. That's what they are. If we keep talking about them that way, you know, it's just not strategic. It's not useful. And I think that we'll continue to build momentum for the ban um, and for the, this broad peace movement to say no to these weapons and we'll get rid of them that way. I'm, I'm confident that we will. I am confident as well. Susie, my goodness, yes, and, and here you are. 
you are here now, you're listening now, in the future, this go-to, I can go to Don't Bank on the Bomb, go to Weapon Free Funds, go to The World is My Country, slash endorse the world citizen endorsement of the TPNW. There you go. And all of us together, of course, they're, they're the 25, 27 companies that are making this possible, this horror, this horror, this, this weight that we're living under. Why all my life I've had to live with this weight. And I'm, as they say in French, I'm fed up with having this on my shoulders. And I hope you are too. If you are, take action. Do it now. Susie, you're so encouraging. You're so powerful. We are powerful. Um, now I'm going to pass it over to Arthur. Arthur, take it away. Yes, Melanie, you're right. Uh, there are so few companies actually involved in the producing of nuclear weapons. And you mentioned their lobbyists influence these treaties. They block things from happening. They block things from happening in Congress. But they are tiny. They just have the, the, the money in the right strategic places. We, the people, have to take action and we can easily outweigh them. We are the superpower. We, the people of the planet, when we, when we rise above the nation state box and claim our rights as citizens of the world. So uh, thanks for joining us. And Susie, I want to give you the last word to just tell us again, what are the key ways people can connect with you, get on your list, uh, donate, support, and be a part of the fabulous work you're doing. Thanks again so much. And uh, if you want information about the financial sector, go to divest.icanw.org. And there's tons of info on that site. And if you just search for International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, and my name, Susie Snyder, you'll find even more. So thank you again, and really appreciate the work that you're doing. And together, we're changing the world. Let's keep it up. Well. Thank you, Susie. You are a fabulous speaker, and we are so thrilled to have you here on the People Powered Planet podcast, uh, where each week we hear incredible solutionaries. Please go to our website and watch the replays of this entire Band the Bomb movie month with Nick Meyer, the director of Star Trek and of The Day After, with Jeff Daniels and his fabulous new film, Television Event. And right on that same page, uh, ThePeoplePoweredPlanet.com, which takes you to our World Is My Country Club. You can also search for Beatrice Finn, F-I-H-N, the director of ICANN, and her wonderful interview about their work and also about getting that Nobel Prize. So uh, thank you again. Join us each and every week for the People Powered Planet podcast. World citizen, lift up your voices. Oh, you know we got something to say. All we need is the same directions, heading in one way. One way.